1: Do all your monsters have lair actions? No.
0: Hmm.
1: Why not? Because lair actions are for bosses, aren't they? Well, honestly, most legendary monsters have them, don't they? Yep. Yeah. Well, buckle up, kitten, because we're going to be talking about how you can add this amazing and dynamic feature to monsters of all levels. welcome heroes to the Crit Academy. We are live today at GooseCon 2022. Um, And uh, I am your host, Justin.
2: I'm your co-host, Ian. I'm your co-host, Brandon.
3: And I'm your co-host, Ellie.
1: Ah,
2: welcome, Ellie. Ellie! Yay! Ellie is our sound person.
1: Yeah,
3: she does all the editing and stuff. Thank you for joining us today. Happy to be here.
1: We're so excited to meet her. It's, you know, it's always talking over internet and stuff and, and, and video chat, but
2: yeah, first for, time seeing uh, her
1: in person, so really for those, exciting.
2: For those of you that are listening to us on the podcast, and you What's hear, the deep, then you hear deep, shut up, sexy voice. Shut up, and like, you hear that my voice has been raised like four points on the sexy scale, that's because of Ellie. So to a five? <laughs>
1: Shut up, all of you. Well, that was one of the uh, things that we always wanted to... uh, I don't know shit about shit so when it comes to that, so it was really awesome to uh, have her work on our our stuff so we can take it back and sound awesome like we know what we're doing. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your D&D adventures. It's worth noting that our show is designed to provide guidance and inspiration to both players and Dungeon Masters. Both, right? Because it's... Nice to play on both sides of the screen occasionally. So today we're going to be talking about something super uh, fun. It's um, a,
2: For people in the audience, this
1: isn't a child-friendly thing. Our show may not be suitable for young children and some adults. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, so yeah. uh, there is a uh, home field advantage. Is uh, Anybody ever buy anything on DMs Guild? you know what that is? DMs Guild. Super popular site for D&D content. And some of the best content creators, honestly, that I think write better than Wizards of the Coast, are on there. And a bunch of them, the top tier, got together and wrote a thing called Home Field Advantage. One of my favorite uh, features in 5th edition is layer actions. you guys know what a layer action is?
2: Yes. But that's not the important part. That was it. I got confused on on the mechanics, but I know what they are.
1: Why are you on this panel?
2: (laughs) Isn't that my whole purpose is because I don't know as much as you guys?
1: Oh, that's an excellent point.
2: Yeah, eat my ass
1: there's one <laughs> <laughs> um, so for those of you that are listening or watching on YouTube or the audience here uh, oh, <laughs> <woo>! <laughs> the 5th edition came out with a really cool interesting mechanic called lair actions these are actions that exemplify the battle in the monsters lair on Dungeons and Dragons Right? you do these amazing uh, gameplay mechanics that the players honestly will associate with a and D fight forever because layer actions bring out every single pillar of D and D all in a combat session. Yeah, and it makes it so dynamic, and that's what we're going to be talking about. So I don't know what there are effects count that is. just happen automatically on initiative count, count twenty. Yeah, as if it rolled the action rolled the twenty. Yeah um before we get into it i would like to hear kind of what your guys' experiences are in fifth edition of layer actions if you've had any or if you haven't had any um is that something you want to delve into and why
4: i will admit i have not encountered actions very often but i think a lot of that is just because let's be real a lot of dms may not necessarily
1: realize that's even in the toolbox to begin with yeah because it's on so few monsters right what about you ellie you got anything
3: um, I haven't used layer action specifically too much. Um, I don't deal with a lot of monsters in my games that, that deal with them. Um, but I, one of my favorites is uh, the Beholder, definitely. Um, Beholder's got some really interesting and wild ones uh, that can be a lot of fun to mess with players.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I didn't the no
1: Beholder's had layer action. Anyways, so... And actually, she touched on a really good point. You don't get to see very many of those. No. Because they're so high level, but they don't have to be. A nope. lair action is more than just the, the the features of a legendary creature. It's the features of fighting something where it has the home field advantage, right? Which is why the, the thing we're going to be talking about is called that, because... There's no reason why it can't be applied to every single monster. And so that's what they did. They went through, these expert game designers and writers went through and gave 250 unique lair actions to more than 320 iconic monsters. And it changes the way you play the game. And it's amazing. Now, obviously, we can't cover 250 of these pieces of detail. Oh. Um, but we want to cover some of the ones that will really tickle your dice. Um some of the ones we know people will use because there's certain monsters that show up in every D game. Anybody got any idea? Goblin. Goblin's one. Anybody else? Kobolds. Kobolds. Yep. Orcs. Orcs another one. There you go. Owlbear. Iconic. Gotta have that. So skeletons, skeletons yes. Zombies. So that was part of the part of the <clears throat> trouble was narrowing this down. So we ended up did narrowing it down to goblin and owlbear, right? Um because we thought that of the monsters, these are the ones, if we're going to talk about them, if you even don't go and check out this product, you're at least going to take this with you at the end of the show and be able to say, why ain't I already doing this?
2: <laughs> right? And even that, this is going to give you an experience with a much lower CR monster than having to wait till you're level, what, 15, 20 before you yeah. come across an ancient dragon.
1: And I've done a show, uh, we've done a show about legendary action. That's another one that I think... There's no reason why any other monster can't have one. Action economy is key in D&D, and sometimes having the monsters only go once in a round is not all that engaging. But you can take, for instance, a real common one, I'm getting off track here, but it is relevant, uh, <laughs> a monster that has multiple attack that can make four attacks. It's far less interesting to do that all in one turn than it is to do it after every player's turn. Because they're like, why is this thing attacking me again? <laughs> you know even if they don't know that you haven't changed the power level that simple legendary action being applied across the multi strike changes the way the players perceive the battle and there's other things tools we can give to make it better but we're here about layer actions which is my other favorite mechanic so let's talk a little bit about it so um Ellie what makes goblins specifically we're not talking about a goblin boss but what makes goblins stand out in, in D&D and how can we How does uh, Home Field Advantage really begin to tie that to their lair actions?
3: Yeah, because goblins are super uh, flexible, especially for um, early parties and and early adventures. Mm -hmm. Um, So goblins are, uh, you know, right there with kobolds is like very typical. Most people know what they are. Um, and, uh, they are very well known for having their little hordes and layers. And it's, it's very iconic, even within fifth edition, um, taking a look at, uh, Lost Minds of Fandolin, right? The very first adventure in that starter supplement is, uh, you're going into a, uh, a goblin's lair and, um, uh, kind of figuring out what's going on, solving a mystery of some missing people. Uh, so they're very iconic and very flexible and, and, um, super helpful for like those early adventures.
1: And they reproduce a lot so you can destroy them a lot and often.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Cannon fodder. That's what I
1: love about them. Everything she said is right. Do you guys got any talks before we actually talk about the mechanics? I, for
4: that matter, recall that a few other YouTubers here and there are saying goblins are also one of the few fancy creatures you can throw into any environment and it won't be weird.
1: That's an excellent point. They're very versatile, which is probably why everyone uses them. Whether you got swamp goblins, aqua goblins, whatever it is, just give them swimming speed and amphibious, and they'll be in water, right? I bet if you
2: had an adventure in space and said, oh, there's space goblins, you'd be like, oh, okay. (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) Of course there's goblins here. uh,
1: So let's talk about this. Um, This is based on the CR1 monster in the monster manual, the goblin Boss. boss. Um, What I think makes goblins interesting is they're petty and they squabble a lot. They fight over ridiculous things. They're happy to steal from their own ally, kick them. Because they consider everything shared, right? What's yours is mine. I just don't have to give it back to you. <laughs> and so I think that makes them fun to uh, destroy. So, lair actions. Usually they trigger on initiative 20. Some effect happens. So we want to kind of delve into the mechanics of the lair actions we're going to give the... Uh the goblin boss with our home field advantage. And the first one I want to talk about, because I think this is really cool. The goblins in the lair creep around. Each goblinoid within the lair, uh can use its hidden uh use its reaction to hide. So you're fighting a bunch of goblins and they all just disappear? That's terrifying. Can you imagine that you're in a you're in a room of, you know, two dozen of these and they're, they're cannon fodder, so we can give them one hit point if we want. And they'll go down in a single blow. And usually they will, even at a higher uh, lower level. But having them all just disappear at the top of the round means they all now are hidden. You can't target them, and they get advantage on the attack rolls. That is a terrifying experience for players. Because um, guess what else goblins can do? They can ready an action. Oh, yeah. So now they're hidden. They ready an action. They wait for one person to do something and then release a barrage of and turn them into a pincushion. That's just their first layer action. What do you guys think about this? It's funny. Uh, so the gentleman uh, says you might... A uh, lot of risk at low levels, right? Oh, they'll probably turn into a pincushion. But we can we can leverage that, can't we? Oh, yeah. If we know this going in, that's an opportunity to expand on lore and story and strategy. So remember I told you the, the lair actions allows you to expand on all the pillars, investigation, research in a library, talking to a goblin slayer? <laughs> okay, I know he got it. Um, because that's information they can learn. If they learn it by doing their research, <laughs> um, that can change how they approach the battle. If they go in there with no information, ha, you deserve to die. Period. The only thing... Yeah, we got a audience member that says, Yeah, you got most people are murder hobos and this makes them think about what they do and, and I, I hate to bring the anime up, but Goblin Slayer does that. They go unprepared to fight goblins they and they m- get their butts kicked because they bring a long sword into a tiny little hallway. Like you can't even draw it and stuff. So I think
2: the most terrifying part about the specific layer action is when the goblins Run off, and they hide, and they disappear. You don't know where they're at. Even if you decide to leave, you're still screwed because you don't know where they're at.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's the that's the thing. You know, uh, a few goblins taking a few pot shots isn't a big deal. But when they all take their turn in once,
2: let's see if there's and it's the same They'll person,
1: hire. it's going to be fine. Even, let's assume, you've got a group of level 5 party adventurers. The goblin's like a one-half monster or one-quarter or something. They're not strong at all. Nope. But... Because of the bounded accuracy system, if they all shoot an arrow at once, something's bound to stick, quite literally. Um, and I think this is really cool. Um, the fact that on this layer action, remember, in layer actions, you can only use one, right? Yep. So you kind of got to pick and choose for the scenario. So when it comes around, they, players might be expecting that same thing. Oh, but we're not done.
4: Actually, I think a good way you can modify this layer action if you want to, we're going to add it in there, is because goblins aren't always numerous seven more goblins
1: Ooh, that's a good one i like that it's like
4: a kung fu movie when more mooks show up like, How'd <laughs> you clear
3: the roof yep. the second layer action we have here a petty squabble breaks out among the goblins each goblin within five feet of the goblin boss may make a melee attack against the boss if the goblin boss is dead or dies before initiative count 20 on the next round the goblin, with the highest amount of hit points within the lair, gains 14 or 4d6 hit points and becomes a goblin boss. <laughs> now,
2: this is where we come from, that's called internal promotion.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what I really like about this is the goblin's boss ability allows them to grab a goblin and use him as a shield right that's fucked up so, the <laughs> so he grabs Darn. a goblin uses him as a shield and he survives and that squabble breaks out you can use it as that one that was used as a shield he's mad about it so he gets up and starts trying to shank the goblin boss and becomes the new leader oh you know um, and i think that that's really interesting because the players aren't going to expect a, po- a monster to poke evolve Into a new monster (laughs) right in the middle of them. So having an opportunity of a monster to squabble and kill the goblin boss, then become the goblin boss, is great because it basically treats it as though they have an infinite amount of hit points, right?
4: I'm now thinking a goblin going,
1: that was only my first form. <laughs> <laughs> I really like oh that. Um, and so this is something that really stands out to me because you mentioned internal promotion. Um, <laughs> as a lair action, that's not something we've seen in D&D before. No. You're basically turning a one-quarter, I think, uh, goblin into a CR-1 as he's shanking him because he gets weak yeah. and i think you can tie that more into the story and the narrative of the combat because the players are struggling they're fighting the goblin they're de- the goblin boss are dealing with all his minions the minions are disappearing for one la- layer action and they weaken him they hit him really hard he's stumbling in his boots and the other goblin's like mm, time for a new leader Plink. and then stab him and then take his weapon <laughs> now he's the new the new boss and that was. look at me I'm the boss now. <laughs> and I think that that is just something that helps the narrative. It makes for a fun story. And that's a memorable moment. Nobody's going to forget the moment when a goblin literally digivolved in front of them.
2: I should make a book called Memorable
1: Moments. Memorable Moments? I that would be Moments. awesome. I like that. Which, by the way, we have a book called Memorable Monsters. <laughs> Anyways,
2: Shameless uh, plug.
1: Brandon, would you like to tell us about the uh, next lair
2: action? Number three. Lair action number three. Uh, the goblins in the lair, when you're fighting them, they start taking up a war chant. They all do. And it
3: becomes...
2: (laughs) (laughs) It gets infectious. And it grows. All players within five feet of a goblin must succeed on a DC 10 con save or they lose concentration if they're trying to cast a spell.
1: Drunk on adrenaline, huh?
2: Yes. Uh... The goblins themselves, they get advantage on their next ability check, attack roll, or saving throw that they make before initiative count 20.
1: Oh, that's terrifying to think about.
4: Suddenly those 16 goblins got way more dangerous. Especially (laughs) when
1: they're, like, uh, surrounding you and moving in. What'd you say, uka, chaka, uka, you know, coming in, working their way (laughs) to, ah, you're all dead. What do you think, Ellie?
3: Yeah, I think that sounds uh, really terrifying, honestly um and uh with with spellcaster specifically that's pretty pretty scary i
1: agree so we talked about uh when we first started that you can tie the lair actions into the other pillars outside of combat the exploration and um lore aspect this is another lore opportunity because if you've got somebody that plays the race of a goblin or they have the sage background or something, you can tie this chant into some other aspect of the game during battle. So maybe that chant, um, the you can say, give me a uh a lore check or a history check or what whatever check you want, I guess. Um and say, Oh, you actually recognize this check. It's a a, a chant of empowerment. They're gonna come after you viciously and you can kinda give a warning to the players and that will unintentionally affect or hopefully intentionally affect the way they behave. Right? If you, you all of a sudden say, Give me a check, uh these things are, are gonna basically super saiyan up and, and uh <laughs> enhance their strength. Um it's gonna change how the players are going to proceed, I think. Right? Ian, do you wanna tell us about the last uh, goblin boss layer action? Absolutely.
4: The last layer action we have here is if the goblin layer has a sort of magical connection up to a few goblins in the field in the lair are affected by the Enlarged Reduce spell, or maybe even
1: Alter Self. And these effects can last until the next time the lair action is used. So I really like this for a multitude of reasons. The thing that stands out to me is we are now binding their lair to some sort of outside uh, um, influence. I think well we briefly touched on how you can throw a goblin in in any scenario and it makes sense, you can leverage that. So in a swamp lair for instance maybe there's swamp magic or acid magic or dark dra- black dragon magic is imbued in the land so all of them now um get some sort of uh a bonus that they didn't have before and you can do that without necessarily increasing damage for instance maybe uh their weapon does their their combat damage but the roll die is like acid damage if it's a swamp swamp goblin right because that's going to stand out in the player's mind when they're fighting goblins. These things, they're melting my armor right away. You know, what do you guys think?
4: I'm just picturing a couple of things. One, if a goblin sling comes in large, people are like, whoa, they're growing big here. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm also picturing a they're goblin... mushroom. mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. I'm also picturing some goblin bosses like uh, grabbing the tiny goblins if they decide to
2: shrink them and using them as ammo to fling them.
1: And <laughs> shock <laughs> them like bowling balls. I love it
2: the alter self spell uh to what extent can you alter self with that spell
1: uh height claws stuff like that
2: could you make yourself look like a stalagmite no no, no. It's not, not that kind of, kind of alter
1: it just moves in just a little bit uh
2: um,
1: but you, i think you can teeth, like claws, claws gills stuff yeah, yeah. <clears throat> things like that Yay. but once again goblins with claws that's different they don't need weapons they just jump out of the bu- uh out of the bushes and start clawing at your face uh so the next thing i want to talk touch on is a lot of the layer actions in home field advantage also uh offer regional effects. One of my favorite aspects of strong monsters is their impact on the local environment and I feel like and this is just justin's opinion, which you all know is right so listen um, <laughs> the the regional uh the regional effects are a powerful tool to exploring the lore and exploration pillars in D&D with the monsters they're going to be fighting. Even monsters are not going to be fighting. If they're traveling through a desert and there's a a I mean what's a desert a desert dragon. A or blue a dragon? Blue dragon? Yeah. So whatever the the regional effects, they should be seeing the effects of that. And you can use that to narrate the the journey through the desert and you can call for that skill check. Hey, oh, you actually know this is a common effect when a dragon is in the area. Now you might have piqued their interest, either, oh shit, we're gonna die, or ooh, let's go talk to it. Um, in either capacity, a single regional effect can really enhance the story. Oh uh, yeah, so I'm now picturing the uh, layer area of a uh, red dragon, instant volcano layer. <laughs> Volcanoes, and I think fissures open up nearby too. Yeah. Um, when you have some of the dragons, like sinkholes open up, you know, maybe your players get called in to, hey, sinkholes are opening up. From these regional effects and then it turns out um yeah there's a dragon nearby but we're like we're like copper level adventurers so you're gonna have to find somebody
4: else. this is way above our pay grade
1: um but anyways i want to get back into the regional effects so just like just like those big powerful monsters the uh home field advantage also gives us regional effects that the um dungeon master can use to indicate a goblin's boss layer so in this one patrols of goblins swarm the area that's pretty common right and you can start with Rumors leading into that, correct? You, you can say, oh, there's been a spike in goblin attacks or, or patrols or uh, a myriad of those sorts of uh, the raiding parties and stuff. And any creature uh, attempting a short or long rest within a mile of a lair must succeed on a stealth or wisdom check or stum- be stumbled across a 1d4 plus 1 goblins uh, finding the party. So that's a really good example of a, a loose use of like a ran- almost like a random encounter table. Yeah. because you share the knowledge with them through the rumors of the of the the npcs hey you hear about another village was attacked by a, a swarm of goblins hey they finally got their heads off but i think they're gonna come back for more
4: well that's not gonna be healthy for our crops
1: well absolutely not especially bill his potatoes are great
4: <laughs> potatoes are amazing
1: so <laughs> now even if that's just something they hear in passing it sets the stage for this potential encounter. Because now they know in advance that goblins are in the area. Now most people are going to be like, man, they're goblins, let's go kill them. Oh, that's when you really get them with the the, the goblin sticker, man. Because they ain't going to be expecting it, especially the goblin boss leading everything. Um, Is there anything you think that uh, you would include in a goblin lair as a lair action that maybe isn't, isn't on this list?
0: Well, it
4: depends on what kind of goblins you go with.
1: Okay, let's let's pick a set of goblins. What kind of what's a type of goblin? Mountain goblin, swamp goblin, aqua what do we got? Hobgoblin? Hob really you pick the most generic goblins? The mi- they're military. Okay, okay, so we're going to go with Hobgoblins thanks <laughs> to uh Rachel. <laughs> Allah, home field advantage. <laughs> or, you know, they're all they're all like reduced hobgoblins. They were cast out. They <laughs> <laughs> you see, they hear these uh, hear it, creepy chants We're coming for you <laughs> They're just like banging on them And doing the chant The goblin chant from the lair action um, What about you Ellie? If,
3: if we're going with the militaristic piece there mm-hmm. um, I really like the use of that In connection with the like uh, Surrounding and losing that concentration mm-hmm. um, Because you're going to find A lot of these kind of like I guess Armies or little little militias of of goblins going about, and they will then like uh, you know surround and sneak up on people and uh, catch them off guard, or um, force them to lose concentration of what they're doing, regardless. I
1: love that. Now let, let's let's uh, give huge note to the fact that none of these did damage. Nope. Right. They led to it. <laughs> oh yeah, they led to dead adventurers, but. They found a way to not necessarily bump up the CR damage. Because I don't know if anybody knows the calculations based on hit points and armor class and damage. I think they did a phenomenal job finding that balance of... We can give you a little extra, but it's not going to directly affect the CR. Nope. Right? Of course, depending on how many goblins are hiding. (laughs) You're dead. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, that wizard's going to be happy he took S.H.I.E.L.D what they're attacking me shield oh thank god bill bill oh no bill (laughs) anyways so uh that's it for the uh the goblin boss remember there's 250 of these this is just the first one uh you did touch on the uh uh the hobgoblin and i want i want to go that direction real quick uh before i go back because i was going to go forward and then i anyways uh the thing about uh having the the militaristic hobgoblins you can uh apply these strategies and um still um change them up enough to fit the theme i don't know uh, a good example is the very first one we talked about is them all hiding if you're going with a hobgoblin they have military com- militaristic uh personas so you can change the uh role play it out as uh if in probably in goblin like soldiers vanish you know and you can add it based on their <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine the entire area echoing <laughs> you know i love it uh, anyways but you New can wizard's take, like
2: fuck this
1: <laughs> you can take that theme of whatever it is if it's a swamp goblin for instance and they vanish it makes sense. You're in the middle of they maybe they're all you role play them as they're being coated in goo and swamp and and dirt and stuff like uh, uh, in Predator uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger he called he covered himself up in all that mud and stuff to disappear. So make sure when you're uh, when you're running oh. something like these include the flavor of the characters and their monsters and their 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 their, their lore into the way you use the powers too because it's more than just saying it does this right. We're better than that as GMS we're better than that we got to narrate and make it all fit. Justin's done, I promise. For now. Could you
2: imagine? No. Hobgob being smart enough to where near, near dusk, near nightfall, their entire tribe gets together and they serpentine on the mountain to make them look like a very large creature at night.
1: They are smart enough to do that, and that sounds like a perfect strategy. So if you're listening to this, uh, Crit Nation, yeah. take that, steal it, let us know, and tell me how it goes, because awesome. And mm-hmm. the sun is to their back, so everyone is squinting into it to see it. What is that? To, to enhance the illusion. Calvary. It's a purple worm. <laughs> it's a purple worm. It doesn't look purple. How can you tell Bill? The sun's in the way. All right, so I don't know who Bill is, but he uh, seems like a cool guy. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the ferocious owl bears., yeah, who yeah. likes the owl bears <laughs> hey, he How many are like pissed off bears. that the druid changes to an owl bear in the new d and d trailer? <laughs> no, nope. good, I'm glad uh, I'm not saying that if you think that and y- you're angry, it's not it's okay. I mean, they it's couldn't like pass no. additions, so yeah, well, mm-hmm. my point was you don't know that that person doesn't have a magic item, right, <laughs> and what does it matter? Who cares if it's a monstrosity or a beast? That's just a category that they decided for the rules,
2: you know I would. Anyway, I'd love to see 1D&D's uh, next playtest content being, being <laughs> like the bear, druid to can turn into an owlbear. bear. you
1: have a druid bear, bear like thing that can turn into monstrosities? Because they can turn into elementals already. Somebody sounds like, they can turn into a pile of water. Like, why do you care that they can turn into an owlbear? Anyways, yeah. I thought it was funny, and I poked fun and laughed at everyone, which is, you know, not the best approach. All right, so let's talk about all bears. Uh, these are CR3. This is another common one. So as we said, we picked some common ones that we thought people would uh, use and can enhance their. And honestly, this has one of my favorite and I'm stealing this for all of my monsters. One of the my favorite layers that I found when I was reading through this product. If you don't know, a ferocious owl bear typically make their lairs in caves and in like caverns and stuff like that, right? Similar structures. They bring back uh, half-eaten bodies of their kills, leaving them to 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 rot in their lair to draw other predators, which become their prey. That's, That's smart point. for a beast, right? Yeah. And of course, the owl bears' uh, babies reside in their owl bear lair. So they're also feeding on these things. So first of all, the setup for that is just amazing, isn't it? Yep. Anybody run an owlbear? You ever have baby owlbears in there? Oh, look at our boy over here has got it. I like that. That's awesome. That's not something I had ever thought of. I don't think about those things. Well, I do now because I read all this stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> um, That's something that I think is really cool, and the way it's included in this layer action is amazing. Um, Brandon, would you like to tell us about the first lair action of the owlbear lair? One of the baby owlbears lets out a pitiful screech, yeah. setting the, uh, mama
2: into a rage. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, initiative count 20. Yeah. Explain what? Rage? No. But hang on. The mama bear? On initiative count 20 on the next round, the owlbear can dash as a bonus action and, ma- and can make an extra claw attack Yeah. when it uses an attack action. Yeah.
1: Um, so I really like this. This is the first one we actually see, um, a claw attack added. Yeah. Now, do you think that increases the creature's CR? Technically. Yes. I would disagree. It says... Oh, we got an answer in the audience. So <laughs> one of our audience members uh, has wrecked a bard with a CR3. Hey, there. little five, probably was an owlbear. Um, anyways, so I would say that it doesn't because it's using uh, the dash action, right, as a bonus action. It's using its move. And in 1d6, its claw attack, not really a lot, considering it can normally do multi-attack. Right? And 1d6 is not a big... Or does it 1d6 or 2d6 be the attack? I don't remember.
4: I'll have the step back in front of me.
1: I thought you're the, supposed to be the person that knows all this stuff. <laughs> you're the one all I go to when I don't remember. Anyway, <laughs> so we're giving it an extra uh, claw attack. In the grand scheme of things, the character's probably going to die anyway, so it's an extra little one. This is one of the ones that I do think makes it a slightly more dangerous, but not enough to be a big of an issue. but um, the fact that it can dash as a bonus action and make an extra claw attack means they have to make. I feel like they have to make an attack roll. Yeah, uh, yeah. For their action, two D eight plus five. Two D eight plus five for the claw attack. Oh, that bard is definitely screwed. <laughs> not the, what happened to his loot? Um, well, his loot's fine. Gut, not so much. Um, what do you guys think about this? I mean, the creature is bellowing, or the 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 baby is screeching. So that's setting the scene, right? Because this is, if this is constantly ha- happening, it's reminding the people that the infant is there. Do you think they'll make the connection? That every time it screeches, this thing just barrels around and yeah, swats people? I
2: do think they will. I also think they'll make the connection of, hey, if we kill the baby, maybe the mom will leave us alone. Ah, there, are, there are players like that.
1: <laughs> yes. And what if a druid is in the group? Do you think uh, they're going to be no, okay with that? No,
3: that's a
2: really that? bad idea. That's what how about, a, how
1: about a, uh, a, a good-natured player character in general? Do you think that's going to create a little intra party conflict? What? Conflict of interest, right? Yeah. This is where uh, – remember, I told you these really expand on the, the, the other aspects. This is a character development opportunity. <laughs> that's yep. why I love this. Sure, somebody's going to get bitch slaps at some point, <laughs> fall to the ground. But it's a character development moment, because you'll learn who the pile of shit player characters are, right? Because like they're going to be like, oh, i got to go take out the little tiny infant that's squealing, because if I don't, Billy's going to lose his head again. Like, again? Again. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Ellie?
3: Yeah, I think um, not only is it very dangerous for combat situations, but I think it opens up um, opportunity for role play. Um, even during combat Um, which a lot of the times we know uh you know some uh there are tables where once combat starts it is just all combat no role play Mm -hmm. and i think this opens up a perfect opportunity to allow some of that and get that into the game especially cr3 Mm -hmm. you know that can be you know mid early to mid uh portion of a campaign or, or a game um and if your players haven't been doing that up to that point, um it's been that Final Fantasy like shatter <laughs> cut off type of I combat that. Yeah, that could that could help bring that do, back do, in do, um do, 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 do. And, yeah. and give that role play opportunity and make yeah. things a little more fluid. Absolutely.
1: I like role-play role opportunities in the middle of battle, because this opens up the characters like druids and rangers to shine with stuff like animal handling. Because if a player said, oh, I want to go over and try to calm it down, maybe feed it something, pet it, do something, to calm it down, I'd be like, oh, that lair action's gone. Because that would be a player taking action based on the environment around them. Now, if they killed them, then I probably would grant the owlbear rage or something and half damage and now <laughs> you pissed mama bear off you know that's kind of how i think but i'm also a douche dm it's i like consequently, yeah that's true <laughs> but you like my games right we
2: keep coming back don't we for some yeah, reason are you
1: sure that's just because you don't have anywhere else to go
2: <laughs> my first game ever playing this game he killed me in an hour
1: you killed yourself. Are you talking yeah, about the vine? Exactly. You couldn't have been a you little fought. more merciful. Okay, so he's fighting a Malboro. Don't they play Final Fantasy with the Malboros. Don't the even. The little tentacle things. Nope. Yep. Uh, I had him. The tentacles reached out, grabbed him, and sucked him in. He was hanging upside down. So his idea to get free is, I'm gonna barbecue myself with fire. Uh, barbecue
2: myself. Flame throw. What is the stupid I, ability? Burning I hands. Burning hands.
1: To grab the vines,
2: and he said, instead of letting go, it holds on tighter, and now it's on fire, and so are you. You literally
1: were, <laughs> you literally blew yourself. <laughs> Whatever. Don't learned. get mad at me. I think that was perfectly fair. 3D8 yeah. to your face. That's your fault. Yeah, as, I as stick a, to that. <laughs> Am I DM, the asshole there?
2: As a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as someone who's been DMing for six years now, I now understand that you totally could have been like, that doesn't happen. But you let it happen.
1: <laughs> okay, yes, I'm the asshole here. This time. But guess what? You haven't stopped talking about it since. <laughs> damn right. All right, so let's move on to the next one. The <laughs> bear lets
2: out a terrifying screech that is magnified from the caves. Bounces off the walls. <laughs> uh, the, oh, that's a werewolf. <laughs> the owl bear doesn't have to make this, this uh, save. The players, I guess every creature, if it's just besides it.
1: Each creature in the lair yeah, except for the owlbears. Right makes a right
2: DC-13 con <laughs> save. Uh, on a failed save, a creature takes 2, or 1d3, thunder damage, and is deaf until
1: the next turn. Ooh, I like this one. Was it end of next turn? Yep. Yeah, I next like turn. this one. Oh, so, next turn. When, yeah. I fight, when my players are fighting Owlbear, I want it to be this big, monstrous beast that shakes the ground around him as it's barreling towards them. <laughs> what is that? Barreling? Because the pain dream, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> the pain dream. Did you say
4: barreling?
2: Uh,
1: <laughs>
4: Yeah, what my really owl owlbear was me stealthing through the woods. Um I failed my perception check. The owlbear did not.
2: It rolled out twenty. Oh uh, to <laughs> uh, <so laughs> everyone watching this and to everyone that's in here, right? Thank you. Listen listen to our <laughs> show. If you can find me one episode that doesn't have a single pun in it, I'll give you ten dollars.
1: Oh come Good on. Luck. <laughs> I always just just come on, just bear with me, I promise it's fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> not this episode.
1: <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Stop it! Stop it, him <laughs> Anyway, so I like this one because it, it it does something that we don't see a lot of and that's deafening. Um yeah. deafening is an interesting mechanic. Um for the sole is how often is sound a big issue? Um, how often your character's not hearing a big issue. Yeah.
2: Never not very often hearing a big issue.
3: Anybody? Anybody in the audience? It does oh, not come hey. up
4: very often. Yeah. No
3: yeah it's not often i think there's there's very few times where i've been in a game where it actually has like a where we've been in like a deafening magic uh field mm-hmm. um it is really problematic when it happens uh because that way our players uh kind of lose that ability to communicate e- with each other but um Yeah, it doesn't happen very often at all.
1: So I'll give you an example of why I think this is awesome. Just last night, for anybody that was in the game I ran for um, uh, Extraordinary Expeditions, I ran Alluring Mesas, and they finally figured out they're fighting harpies on the top of these mesas, so, you know, do the lemming thing off the edge, so they stuffed all their ears with wax. Well, it quickly became apparent that they couldn't help each other or warn each other or talk to each other, just people were just dying all around them, so... There's a a, a a there is a bit of um, strategy that they lose once they're deaf, and that you don't think about at any other time. As and it is quite amazing. Also, it makes anybody deaf is immune to thunder damage too. So I'll keep that in mind. If you are a spellcaster
2: and you have to use a verbal component for a spell, but you can't hear yourself, I like a
1: verbal, speak, but you can't hear yourself speak. <laughs> Can you cast? Can you still cast? I'd make an arcana check for that. Because when they do the verbal components, it's very particular sounds, I think. The incantations? I'd say yes, because you know what you're saying. (sighs) I don't know. Fair enough. Once again, I'm the asshole GM. Oh yeah, you lose a, a fat. You some fat. Yep, some, some other idea. It you do, no, but some it's,
2: th- audience <laughs> members uh, can
1: counter spell. gets
2: really, really hot for some reason. <laughs> As you turn around,
1: see a fireball two feet in your face. <laughs> ah! Ah! Um, but yeah, I recommend trying trying deafening your party. All of them. One person, it doesn't usually make a big difference. Um, anybody that plays a druid, has experiences. Druids, when they shapeshift, they can't talk. And you'll watch them stumbling over the words more than one time. Like, wait, I can't say that. No, you're, you're, you're a, a giant owlbear. Owl bear.
4: You couldn't pass the visions.
1: They oh. Click. That's all they hear. <laughs> you know, that's it. So it's, it's a really nice one that I'd like to see used more often. And I'd like to see a little bit additional um, impact of it personally. Um, Ellie, do you want to tell us about the next one?
3: Yeah, so the owlbear's baby hoots cutely, cooing at a creature within the area. Uh, The creature must succeed on a DC-13 charisma saving throw or be charmed by all owlbears within the lair. This charm effect lasts until an owlbear damages the charmed creature or any of its companions. Whoever
1: did this, watch Puss in Boots. I'm telling you, because I still remember... Him holding his hat and then doing the little cat eye thing and stopping like oh and then he stabs him. Okay. <laughs> he just, like, oh.
4: <laughs> 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 it comes up behind him. Oh, it's
1: so cute. Give me my vagina. Oh, what do you guys think about this? <laughs> oh, my, spleen. <laughs> <laughs> my spleen.
2: Anybody? Uh I like I like that one.
3: Yeah. I think that's my
2: favorite one right now. Yep. It's a good one.
4: Oh this out uh, Oh, there goes my
1: Organs. <laughs> 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 my hand's gone.
3: And it's very, very, uh, very realistic towards the way that like we ended up domesticating animals like uh-huh. uh, dogs and cats.
1: Like, don't you bite me? how when people died before we domesticated so them. Oh, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> Your generation. Bill, Bill didn't make it. That's for sure. Hell's Bill. Fuck Bill. <laughs> you just said why. you like that guy. <laughs> that was all right. I'm emotional. Um, all right, yeah, I like this because it really uh is um great because I can see like druids or rangers uh, just. Uh, I just voluntarily fail. This thing's adorable. I don't want to fight it. Would anybody do that as a player? Not very often. Yeah, but you like to stab stuff. I do. You're biased. <laughs> That's the point. <fight. laughs> but once again, this ties into um, and we can take this this um layer this layer action, and we can apply it to any creature. So if you know your player character has something in their story about the. Uh, has a, a love for kittens or something like that. Tossing this onto something uh, like a saber-toothed tiger would be great. <laughs> <laughs> so keep that in mind too. This last one is my favorite. Remember I told you there was one in here that really just blew my mind, and I will be incorporating in every monster layer for infinity. This
2: is ridiculous.
4: <laughs> I know the <laughs> it's right, owl bear. The owlbear face on an animal carcass within its lair, regaining 2d4 hit points.
1: Yes. Yeah. I now have a valid reason to give bestial monsters healing potions.
4: What if the corpses were former adventurers who had healing potions on them? <laughs> <gasps>
1: That's awesome. That would make such an amazing narrative thing. The, the bear kind of limps away wounded and uh, kind of, you know, begins uh, barreling towards uh, its... Uh, <laughs> towards its uh, uh, uh a dead adventurer corpse Bill. <laughs> <laughs> to the corpse and begins devouring it as you watch as it it gains more vigor and its body becomes more rigid and it lets out a bellowing howl then you look at your players they just gained hit points and drink the oh. large reduced potion. I wouldn't say they drank the potion. I just say it doubles in size. <laughs> and it gets bigger. <laughs> it's it's just, just like they oh, just down whose body is that? What do you guys think about this?
4: I'll tell you who it will be. Yours. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I think that's especially dangerous just because like normally you don't think of of um like sentient creatures like the owl bear, uh to to regain hit points. I mean, know? how many
2: times do sentient creatures heal each other? Right, exactly.
3: It's,
1: yeah, I agree. You, you make a very valid point and that's something you should all do more of. So, overall, what are your guys' thoughts on adding um, layer actions to every monster? And what do we learn just by reviewing a few of them?
4: that you can easily base some of actions off their usual habits or some of their abilities.
1: Ooh, that's really good. Ellie, snip that. Send it to me. I
2: think this, it would throw your players off by so much. Because everyone knows that lair actions happen at higher levels, and when that just suddenly happens at a lower level, and they're like, what's Every going on? Round, they dude. might be afraid there's some bigger, more dangerous monster ahead, and that might make them second-guess or think twice about saying, oh, should we really go keep going through his cave? Maybe there's something bigger down there that's making all, all these creatures do this.
1: Yeah. And I think that's that's important because you're trying to set the scene and the narrative and you want to explore the uh, uh, pillars such as the lore pillar and exploration pillar. And these allow you to do that, um, especially when uh, you include it in a, a, a counter that they've never actually experienced before. You can experience goblins, but it's not till you go hunt them in their own lair that it really stands out. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It also means you can lure them to layers. And I love that. I'm a sucker for trapping the players. I mean the characters, not the players. I would never harm my players Physically. Physically. <laughs> 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 There's definitely emotional damage in there somewhere. Yeah. If you weren't here in the uh, for those of we were at a panel yesterday and I'm very big on uh moral, de- heartstrings. moral decisions. No, I, oh yeah, moral uh, I absolutely made I, I, the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, I love moral ambiguity. So, uh, all right, I think that'll. There's one thing I want to talk about uh, on this thought before we we move on to our honor tips and tricks. Oop. One more thing I want to talk about on this, and this monster layers give us an opportunity as dungeon masters to expand on lore, expand on role play during combat, and on top of that. Mm-hmm. We get a huge benefit of being able to find a way to incorporate back uh, character backstory um, options into it. So, uh, what I mean by like that is, for instance, let's talk about the the wanderer background, right? Uh, wanderer background. You could feed some of that layer information to the player with the wanderer background or with the hermit background. So it gives you a reason to be able to delve into that from a a a mechanical standpoint and i think that that's a really great opportunity um, for the dm to really pull the player player's character's unique skill set into it you disagree of course not i'm great also it's an easy way to incorporate backstories too thank you rachel That's really good insightful uh before we close out today um, I'd like to let you guys know that Exotic Equipment Perks is live and we just got funded Woo, Woo! yeah. Woo! Oh, Brandon has been waiting to puff on this cigar. That's his victory cigar right there. He likes my plan to comes together. <laughs> um, if you don't know equipment perks, uh with it, no more cookie cutter weapons in 5e. Make your character's choice of equipment matter. We offer unique perks for each weapon and each piece of armor so that when you pick it, it becomes a part of your character more than just damage, dice, and AC bonus. Um, Going so off please, into like the High Mountain Peaks where it's winter? Why? Hide Armor now keeps you warm. Yep. Uh, that's a really good one. I like that. Um, uh, so definitely, if you haven't heard of it or you're just uh, hearing about it for the first time, you should have been listening to our show already, but we forgive you. Head on over to uh, rebrand.ly slash exotic perks. Check it out, back it, get your copy and we will uh have that just stuff ready to go for you very soon because all the writing is done right now so now we're just getting stretch goals unless we hit a stretch goal where i gotta write a bunch of stuff for all the
2: yeah we the have a stretch goal where we add that's more gonna shit, suck so. you
1: guys you know how hard that's going to be not at all challenge accepted yeah. all right that'll do a first show today yep
4: do you know why uh rogues are so stealthy because oh,
1: they wear hide
4: do that's right
1: that's ah, a tumor. hot armor <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoyed the show and you want to support us visit us at criticamie.com please check out our youtube channel watch our shows live join with us usually we chat we're here at GooseCon 2022 so we don't have a live uh audience chat what ah. ah there it is <laughs> um follow us on social media and uh leave us a review please uh i am your host justin
2: i'm your co-host ian i'm your co-host brandon
3: and i'm your editor Allie. thanks for listening Keep
2: your blade sharp and
1: spells prepared, heroes.
2: I don't like hit my mic and wait for Ella to yell at me.
3: I I don't yell, I just kind of like stare at you for a minute. I think the term you're
1: looking for is glower.
3: Yeah. (laughs) I just did it myself.
1: I'm glaring for those of you who can't see on the podcast.
0: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming.